Rattray speaking to us this morning, continuing on with Matthew. Um, Caleb, can I just pray for you before you start? Father God, we really thank you for this wonderful man of God and for his fan club down there as well. And Lord, as he brings your word to us this morning, I just pray that he will speak with your authority, that you'll anoint all that is of you, and that it will speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Wow. It's good to be here, getting to talk to you this morning, and thank you, worship team, for that um, beautiful time of worship. You know, love that, that line in that song, there's no desert where your streams won't run to. Isn't that beautiful that no matter what we're go- going through or feel like we're going through, God's love reaches us. He's right there beside us. So good. Mm. And I do really sense that the Holy Spirit is here today um, as that word came out in the prayer meeting. And, and I guess I just encourage you and I pray that God would speak through these words uh, to you this morning. Um, and that he's already been speaking to you through that worship time. Um, cool. Hey, well, I don't know if any of you would admit to enjoying sitting tests. Is there anyone that does? Well done. <laughs> or facing battles, or, or how about going out into the wilderness, whether it's metaphorical or literal? We see some hands there. Our lives can be full of all kinds of tests. And this is a good thing. You know, imagine that you were flying on an airplane up to Auckland and the pilots accidentally left the intercom on and uh, they're just laughing to each other. <laughs> Can't believe they made us pilots without sitting any test. You'd feel a little bit uneasy. And then the next thing you hear is, Siri, how do you land a 737 or A3 something? The thing I love about tests was walking out of them at the end, if I'd given my best shot, Uh, except for one test when I was 17 years old, and I was going for my full driver's license. A few minutes into the test, the testing officer says, pull over. What should you have done back there at that giveaway? (laughs) In my nervousness, and with the car creeping extremely slowly down the road, I made a split-second decision to go halfway across, knowing that was a dumb thing to do. (laughs) Instant fail, return to depot. It didn't matter what else I I might have done that day, I wasn't going to pass. And there have been plenty of times where I wish that I could have rewound the clock, like scoring an own goal for my football team when we were winning the game against Christchurch Boys High School and we ended up losing. (sighs) Still remember it like it was yesterday. Or some of those times where I've just said something really dumb, or maybe I didn't say anything at all when I should have. Who loves it in computer games or PS or probably app games these days where you can reset a level over and over again until you find the way through, until you figure out how to beat the bad guy, how to escape the danger. With enough attempts and and practice, we can get good enough to clock the game. Well, life, it's full of challenges, trials, tests, and some of these are really, really hard. And I I don't want to pretend that I understand some of these trials that you've faced. There's sickness, there's grief, there's hurt, there's financial strain, relationship strain, 
difficult decisions and all kinds of pressures. And the last few months, some of us have faced real challenges with COVID. And this can still be ongoing. And another type of test we face is temptation. Apparently there was a guy who back in 1904 was stripped of his his gold medal after admitting that he had hitched a ride in a car for nearly half of the race. He was trying to gain the fame without the pain. Of course, none of us would ever be tempted to do that, but we're certainly not immune from temptation. We have an enemy who is real and who is out to divert to try to divert us or derail us from the purposes that God has for our lives. And so today we're going to see in Matthew 4 how this enemy tried to trip up Jesus and tempt him to sin. But the beauty of this story is that Jesus overcame. And because Jesus overcame, we too can overcome. We can see the devil's tricks and discover how to beat him. Just like when you're playing a computer game and there's, there's something that you're not quite sure whether you can get past, Well, today I want to tell you that Jesus has clocked the game, and he is willing and qualified to help you do the same. He got to the finish, and so if we follow him, we too can persevere and win the race. So let's learn from the one who has overcome, and more than that, let's wholeheartedly put our trust in Jesus, who has overcome temptation and who has defeated sin upon the cross. So we're going to read Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike a foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I'll give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. So this story here that we're reading today follows Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. And it comes right after this incredible moment, where as soon as Jesus was baptized, he, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love with him. I am well pleased. You know, God is is speaking to his son. You are mine. I love you. And I am so pleased with you. The very next word that we come to in Matthew 4 is then. And in the Gospel of Mark, his account of the story, it says, Immediately. Immediately, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And the Greek word for um, here can mean something broader than just tempted, but also tested. It's an interesting first assignment, right? And I wonder 
if there was a conversation between Jesus and the Holy Spirit, are you sure you want me to go into the wilderness? In New Zealand, wilderness almost sounds like fun. You know, we can go camping for a few days, test our beer grill skills. But this was different. This was a desolate and a barren place. Scorching hot days, freezing cold nights. Mark's gospel specifically points out there were wild beasts. Yet this was where the Holy Spirit led Jesus to the wilderness. He didn't accidentally get out of the river on the wrong side. Before Jesus begins his public ministry, he has a battle to face. And some of you might relate to a a time of testing. It might have been after a baptism or after a time when you felt so close to God, so encouraged, so filled with joy, and you might have even put your hand up for something new and enthusiastically, you know, uh, said to God, count me in, and then... Next thing you know, you're facing a trial, a time of testing, a a spiritual battle, or life might get hard or pressure comes on, and, and the joy you once had initially might seem like a distant memory. And I'm not saying that this always happens or or needs to happen, but if it does happen, you're not alone. If you're following Jesus and the Holy Spirit's leading and opposition comes your way, you should be encouraged that you're actually right where God wants you. You're not outside of God's will. Because even though Jesus was in the wilderness, he was still right in the center of God's will. He had been led there by the Holy Spirit. Even if we do take a wrong turn, you know, we can always look to Jesus for what step we should take next and how we should overcome. But the battles that we face are often simply because we live in this fallen world. And this is very much part of following Jesus and taking hold of the promise that he has for us. I was reading recently in Judges 3 that where after Israel had entered the, the promised land and, and the Joshua, their leader, had died, it says, the Lord left certain nations in the land to test those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. He did this to teach warfare to generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. Now, James says that God doesn't tempt us, but I think he can allow us to go through trials and battles so that we're strengthened, that our character will grow, that we will learn to trust in Him. Just look at Joseph in the book of Genesis. He faced a huge number of obstacles before stepping into the dream that God had given him. And he could have given up when, on God when he was in the pit, when he was mistreated by his brothers, when he was tempted, or when he was overlooked. But through it all, Joseph kept on trusting in God, and he was in the right place and had the character to be used by God for great things. These trials, in a sense, were part of preparing him for what God had. So before we get to the miracles, the teaching, the ministry of of Jesus, Matthew shows us that Jesus is someone that we can absolutely trust. We can trust the one who has overcome. See, Jesus succeeded where Adam and Eve had failed. And is it any coincidence that right at the start of Jesus' ministry, the start of the book of Matthew, we see this temptation by the devil. The devil who showed up at the start of Genesis in a beautiful lush garden to tempt Adam and Eve to eat from the one tree that God had told them not to eat from. 
And even though they had the choice of all these beautiful, lush, delicious trees to eat from, they disobeyed God. And because of this sin, they were banished from the garden. And in contrast, we see Jesus hungry in a desolate and barren place where the animals certainly went tame. And yet Jesus was tempted and did not sin. He can be trusted. Jesus also succeeded where Israel had failed. When God rescues Israel from Egypt, parting the Red Sea for them to cross, then they end up in the wilderness. And Psalm 106, 10 to 15 tells us, He saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy. He redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. But soon they forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. In verse 24, it says that they despised the pleasant land when the spies had gone into it. They did not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents and did not obey God. So in the wilderness, we find Israel is complaining. They're grumbling. They're not trusting and they're not believing. They lack food and they conclude that God had brought them into the wilderness just to let them die. Well, why would God do such an incredible series of miracle after miracle, rescuing them just to let them die? They didn't wait for God's plan to unfold. And do we ever get impatient and, and race ahead of God or, or look for a shortcut ourselves instead of waiting for his plan to unfold? Israel saw giants in the promised land and they wanted to go back to their dreadful lives in Egypt instead of forward into the new things that God had for them. In contrast, we see Jesus. He goes through the water of baptism He's led into a wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, which is the same amount of time that the, the spies had gone into the promised land. And Jesus, though he was feeling weak and feeling hungry, he doesn't allow hangriness to overcome him. He doesn't complain or get bitter or angry at God. He simply trusts in the Father's purpose. Now, I'm definitely familiar with hangriness, but are there things that I find myself complaining about? when I should be trusting. Satan, the devil, tempts him to turn stones into bread. And Jesus replies, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word from the mouth of God. Was it, why was it so wrong, I wonder, to turn stone into bread? Well, you know, because later we'd see Jesus feed thousands with one boy's lunch. The thing is, with this temptation, it was tempting him to go against God's will, to take things into his own hands instead of trusting the Father. And the devil's plan was to, to get Jesus to turn away from his Father's plan. Ultimately, we know this was to die on the cross as a sinless and spotless sacrifice for us. The story that Matthew tells, it affirms to us that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He did not sin. Was it easy for him being God's son. Well, theo theologians explain that Jesus was fully man and fully God. So as a man, he would have felt this desire to eat, this desire to live and not die, the desire for comfort. I, I can't imagine how hungry and tired I would be after 
40 hours of fasting, let alone 40 days. Jesus didn't have any barley sugars or just juice, for those of you who've done the famine. So could Jesus have sinned? Well, being fully human, he was capable of, of giving in. He could have chosen not to go to the cross. This temptation was real. He experienced the full force of temptation, the hunger, the exhaustion, the suffering, the, the desire to take a shortcut. But he would not yield to it because as well as being fully man, he was fully God. And God is holy, so God's without sin. So Jesus in his holiness didn't have that weakness of character that would lead him to sin. He'd gone 30 years without sinning, and he wasn't about to start now. But the great news for us is that Jesus came as a man so that he could be our perfect substitute, so that his death would be in our place and pay the penalty for our sin. And by trusting in him, we have forgiveness for our sin. Of course, we know that the devil should not be trusted, but we have to watch out for his tricks. The devil's crafty. You know, he comes to Jesus right when he's at his physical weakest. weakest. He even uses scripture, conveniently pulling it out of context and missing part of it. In John, John 8, 44, Jesus describes the devil as a liar and the father of lies. But we see that the devil's beaten by Jesus over and over. Only a few verses down the page in Matthew 24, Jesus is casting out demons and healing whatever illness and pain. And Jesus gets tested by the Pharisees. He even gets tested by his own disciples. One time he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, when Peter unwittingly tries to divert Jesus from the cross. Do you know, nothing would stop Jesus from obeying his Father and the ultimate victory. And since Jesus overcame, we too can overcome. So how do we overcome when I know that I'm far from perfect? When there's a lying, deceiving enemy out there to trick us? How does Jesus help us to beat this enemy? Well, let's look at Hebrews 2, 15 to, uh, 14 to 18. It says, Jesus shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery to their fear of death. In verse 17 it says, For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. In verse 18, Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Because Jesus suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help us when we are being tempted. See, Jesus understands what it is to suffer and to be tempted, to what it is to stand in our shoes. Who remembers struggling to eat a certain food when you were younger? You had to endure this, endure this trial of eating this thing that you didn't really like. Well, not too long ago, our kids faced a trial of this sort. They did not fancy what was put in front of them, and, and they refused to eat it. And as parents, we know that kids need to eat, and we wanted to teach them to persevere <laughs> when something might not quite tickle their taste buds. So the battle was set. 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, the children remained in their seats, food untouched. 
And I've been there when I was a kid. You know, I still remember sitting in their place, seeing how much of the food I disliked I could hide under my knife and fork that the parents might not realize. So thinking, you know, surely there must be something that I can do to help. So off takes the aircraft, flying through the air. <laughs> Just as it comes to the closed runway uh, with Ezra's Uncle Matt on board, he opens his mouth and the plane safely lands inside. And so a few uncles and aunties and cousins later, Nadia was also joining in. Both bowls of food were eaten that day. So just as I was able to help the kids to overcome their lunchtime trial, we have a Savior, Jesus, who is so much more able to help us through our trials. Because Jesus became a man, and he suffered. He is able to be our merciful and faithful high priest. He understands the pain that we feel, the temptations that might lure us away from God's best. And he is qualified and ready to help us in our trials. So how do we receive this help? Well, if you're taking notes, the first thing I want to say is to approach God's throne of grace. We don't try to overcome in our own strength. To receive our help, Savior's help, we need to approach the throne of grace. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So we approach God's throne of grace with confidence. This is an invitation for all. You don't need a special pass and you don't need to be perfect. The throne of grace is always accessible, day and night, season by season, generation to generation. And it's not like calling your bank or an insurance company and you get an automated answer. Now, I'm sorry, we're making too much money right now to answer your call. <laughs> and we don't need to hesitantly approach the throne of grace, you know, in, in shame, head down. We can approach boldly with confidence because it's not about what we have done, but about what Jesus has done. 1 John 2, it says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And our advocate, he intercedes on our behalf. He is the one that gives us access because his sacrifice was sufficient. And at the throne of grace, we find all of the forgiveness we need. And the devil, he'll try to tempt us to sin. And if we do, he'll condemn us over and over again about it. And while we can't rewind the clock, we know that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Not only do we find complete forgiveness, in fact, he no longer remembers our sin, but we also find grace gives us the help we need to keep us from sinning, to stand firm against the enemy. 
See, grace is undeserved favor. And at the throne of grace, we find God's favor. We find his strength. We find his help, his counsel, his direction for whatever tests that we face. So why rely on our own strength when we can confidently approach the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need? The second thing, if you're taking notes, to receive Jesus' help is that we need to listen for his voice. John 10, 27, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And there's lots of voices out there. Have, have you read something that's been reported as true, only to discover later that it was entirely fiction, made up misinformation? And I'm not just talking about April Fool's jokes here. Anyone get the email from Hamner and think you need to wear budgie smugglers? That was just an April Fool's joke. <laughs> The Bible has lots of warnings in it about false teaching in the last days. And to discern the truth, we need to know God's word. Bank tellers will tell you to, bank tellers will spot a counterfeit note far, far faster than you or I because they're so familiar with real notes. Any variation will arouse their suspicion. In the second temptation, we see Satan quote scripture out of context. Have you seen this trick used? Part of a verse being pulled out that's not supported by the rest of Scripture or, or lines up with the truth of God? Well, how does Jesus beat Satan? In all three temptations, Jesus says, it is written. All three times, he quotes Deuteronomy, which was spoken by Moses to the people of Israel about their time of testing in the wilderness. Even though Jesus didn't have a copy of the Bible with him, he knew it, he'd memorized it, he'd studied it, and he used it as his weapon to win the battle. For the Word of God is full of living power. Anna recently encouraged us to get to know the Word, to study it. And if we don't put the Word of God into our mind, we will end up thinking like the world, like the Israelites who were grumbling in fear. Whereas Caleb and Joshua thought differently because they believed the promises of God. Luke 8, Jesus is explaining the parable of the sower, which depicts God's word as seed. And he says that the seed that lands on the good soil stands for those who with a noble and good heart hear the word, retain it, and persevere. And by persevering, produce a crop. So if you feel like you're in a wilderness today, hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, you'll see fruitfulness. Third thing today I want to say is to receive Jesus' help, we need to submit to God. Jesus triumphed over the devil by submitting to God. Even though he was hungry in the wilderness, he waited and trusted on God to provide. And Isaiah 40 verse 30 tells us that even youths will become exhausted and young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. And in verse 11 we see the devil left him Angels came and attended him. And I wonder what delightful food they served up to Jesus. Simon's just picturing it now. <laughs> In the second temptation, the devil tempts Jesus to do something really spectacular, to throw himself off the highest point of the temple and be caught by angels. And you know, this impressive entrance might have been popular with the crowds that were gathered there at the temple. 
you might have had Red Bull lining up to sign him as, up for sponsorship. But you know, Jesus would rather trust God's plan for rescuing humanity. He came to us in humility. And in fact, today we remember Palm Sunday where Jesus rode into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, on a colt. And the third temptation, Satan offered him the kingdoms of the world if he would bow down to Satan. And I love how bluntly Jesus just puts it. Away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It's a good, good one to memorize, isn't it? <laughs> there is no deliberation here. When we resist temptation, it's, it's good to be quick and firm. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. To submit to God, we, we humbly recognize that we need him, and we choose God's path. And there's another story in Matthew 4 about four fishermen. And in verse 19, Jesus says to them, come, follow me, and I'll send you out to fish for people. And at once, they left their nets and followed him. These first disciples, they didn't try to negotiate with Jesus. Well, oh, that sounds really cool. Um, I'm free Wednesday nights and every second Sunday. Uh, and I'm not really a morning person, so as long as we're not starting too early. <laughs> These four fishermen, they, they heard the voice of Jesus. They laid down their nets, which was their source of income, security. And they followed Jesus, completely trusting him. So are we prepared to listen and fully surrender to God's plan for our lives? Or, or do we like to pick and choose? You know, I can follow you with this part of my life, but this part over here, I just want to do what's right in my eyes. 1 John 2, 15 tells us, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God will live forever. So it's a radical decision to follow Jesus, to worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Are there things we need to lay down in our lives to do this? When the world tries to divert us from God's best, will we choose to submit to God? When we're in the battle, will we boldly come to the throne of grace and receive his grace and his mercy? Will we cling to the promises of God, the promises, his promises to help us through, to persevere? See, James 1.12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure. There is testing and temptation. So if you're patiently enduring right now, there is blessing from God for you. The band would like to come up now. You know, the crown of life awaits those who love him. Hebrews 12 says, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus beat the devil. Through his death, he destroyed the power of the devil. And because of this, we can overcome. And there is a great joy and reward that awaits us at the end of the race. So let us not give up or, or turn back. 
let us keep our eyes on Jesus, who has shown us the way. We can follow him through every trial, through every obstacle, every giant, level by level. Because not only is he at the finish line, he is ready and willing to help us journey there. So this morning, who wants to boldly approach the throne of grace? Isn't it so good that we can do that? (laughs) We can come as we are right here today. Boldly step forward. Say, God, I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your help. There's some things that I'm facing, but (laughs) I need your grace in right now. Isn't it good that he gladly gives? He reaches down into our lives and is willing to help us because he knows what we're going through. He knows the suffering that we've faced, the trials that we've been through and that we're going through and that we're still to to go through. But he's a good father. He loves us. He has grace just waiting for us. I want to pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we can trust in you with all our heart. Thank you that you have shown us the way through the trials as you overcame the devil and you defeated him upon the cross and that we have that victory in him. We have the power. Lord, we have your word that is living power that we can use to defeat the enemy, that we can tell him, get away from us and he will listen and he will flee because we are yours. We are your children, Lord. We submit ourselves to you. We surrender our lives to you. We pray that you help us to do this each day, to walk in your grace each day. We thank you that your mercies are new each day for us. We thank you for your comfort, for your strength. As we wait on you, you renew our strength. Lord God, just as we sing now, I just pray that you'd come in your Holy Spirit, that we could just wait on you and be refreshed, Lord. If we've been grumbling, <laughs> finding ourselves complaining about things, we just want to give those things to you, Lord. To allow your grace into our hearts. And Lord, that we might share that grace with others who desperately need it. So we approach you now, Lord. We come into your throne room. Thank you that you're speaking to us today. Thank you for your mercies that you understand. Come to me, all who are thirsty. You offer life-giving water. Lord, we know there's something that we need to do. We need to come and drink. We don't want to hold back. Hesitantly, (laughs) 
stand off, but God, we want to come to you. You know, there's so much joy, so much joy that we can have in Christ. The devil came to steal, to rob, to destroy, but steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says he came to give life abundantly. And church, we want to walk in that life abundantly, don't we? We want to step into it and have that freedom that he gives us. Not believing lies of the enemy that he'd try to put over us, but but just walking in the truth, walking in His strength, His grace. Let's sing. Just encourage you as we just...